So let's just jump into this week. I hope you guys had a great Memorial Day. Uh, I certainly did. I've been on the roof this week, and so I've gotten, I feel burned uh, today, but I hope that you guys had uh, a great rest and a good time of maybe you had Monday off. Uh, I'm thankful for my friend Stu. Uh, I have heard a lot of people who were last week kind of understood, Stu and I are pretty similar, all right? And, and I thought Stu did a really good job up here on stage. I was really impressed with him. Uh, and uh, it's obvious that he has some natural talent and gifts, and we're just pleased to be a part of this story in some ways. Uh, this is the kind of culture that we're desiring to build within this church, is this kind of culture of empowerment where we build and grow people in their God-given talents and gifts, not just the people on staff, but we would empower people to do the work of ministry. That's Ephesians 4. That's our kind of core verse here, that, that God, when he establishes the leadership of his church, their job is to equip and train the saints, that's us who sit in these seats, to do the work of ministry. It's not to professionalize the church and do all of the ministry ourselves. It is to equip and train the saints. And so we're very pleased with what's happening within our congregation. All sorts of you are jumping up and joining on teams like outreach, and we've got a cleaning team that's starting up, and maintenance, uh, and lots of other teams like prayer. And so lots of really cool things things are happening, and we're excited to see how the Lord is going to kind of work in this in the months and the years to head. Uh, lots of things to be excited about here. And so today we're going to be back into the book of Galatians. We're going to be in the back end of Galatians. We're going to spend our time in chapter 5 today, kind of drawing some conclusions from that book, and then next week we're going to walk into chapter 6 to end our series, and we're going to conclude with communion next week as well. And so Stu last week taught us that, that, that as believers, we are to love everyone, just as Jesus loved everybody. We are not to reject people by the way that they look, how tall they are, how short they are, what they believe, or even how they voted in the last election. We are to love people readily. And so we want to expand upon that idea as we enter into chapter 5 that talks about freedom. We want to expand upon this idea of freedom that propels us into a lifestyle of love for one another as we walk by the Spirit. So lots of great stuff to talk about today, and so let's just get started. Uh, Diedrich Bonhoeffer is a name that many people are familiar with. Maybe not a lot, but Bonhoeffer is, in, in my view, he's just a, he's a Protestant saint. Bonhoeffer is a German Christian during World War II, he is sentenced to death by the Third Reich. He's an antagonist to Adolf Hitler, uh, and he is thrown in jail. And before he is executed, Bonhoeffer writes from his prison cell that life essentially is like a prison cell where one is completely dependent on the fact that the door to freedom is opened from the outside. And I just think that that's an interesting viewpoint of freedom, that you can't open the door. I think it flies in the face of this cultural idea of the Protestant work ethic. Like if you just work hard enough, if you try harder, if you produce more, if you, you just, mm, that eventually you're going to create your own destiny, you're going to build your own luck. But that's not what Bonhoeffer says. He says for the Christian, freedom comes from the outside. Somebody opening up the outside, the door to the outside. And for us, we know that that person is Christ. Christ opens the prison cell for us to walk through. Um, you can't unlock it. You can't open it yourself. It's not about you, actually. It never has been. 
It's always about Christ and what he has done. And so in America, when we think of this idea of freedom, there's lots of things that run through our head, that, lots of thankfulness for this area of freedom, right? And when we think of freedom, we think of like the 4th of July, we think of fireworks, maybe you think of like Memorial Day that we just celebrated, uh, wars, and you think of veterans. Uh, in America, this idea of freedom has to do with one's ability to choose whatever we would like to choose based upon our own desires. It's this kind of autonomy that we have. Autonomy means our ability to choose what we want. That's our idea of freedom in this country. And it's a great idea of freedom. It's a great thing that we have. We should be thankful for it. There are many people who have sacrificed for us to have that kind of ability. But if, listen, if we take that idea of freedom into our walk with Christ, into our relationship with God, the idea that one is, has the ability to create our own destiny one has the ability to have self-governance, what we will find is not a Christian walk that is free of anything, actually. But rather, what we will find is just another prison cell of bondage. It would be as if Christ, who opened the door to our jail cell towards freedom, that we would walk out of that cell because of Christ, and then we would turn right back in and walk back into that same prison cell. And so this is what Paul is going to spend a good amount of time talking about in Galatians. And so we're going to pick it up here in, in verse 13, and we'll read this together. He says that you were called to freedom, brothers and sisters, only don't let this freedom be an opportunity to indulge your selfish impulses, but rather serve each other through love. All the law has been fulfilled in a single statement. Love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour each other, be careful you don't get eaten up by each other. And so Paul says, for the believer, those who are called into freedom in Christ means that he initiated the process. If he called you into freedom, who initiated the process? Christ initiated the process. When you pick up your phone and you dial one of your friend's numbers, who made the transaction? You did. The other person just responds. When Christ calls us into freedom. He made the transaction. We simply are responding to what he did. And, and what is he calling us out of? He's calling us out of the way of death and destruction. Because God established, and we read through this in, in chapters 2 and 3 in Galatians, he established this perfect law, this perfect glorious standard of what it means to please God by desire, by effort. And it is right, holy, just, good. The law is good. The problem is, is we can't obey it. And so because we can't obey it, it becomes a weight for us. It becomes a burden to us. It's not the freedom that we saw present in the garden when God and man walked openly together, and it is not the freedom that we project to be in eternity with God. And so Christ takes upon himself the ability to live a perfect life. God gives Christ, he lives a perfect life. And then he takes on all of our iniquities, all of our sins on the cross. It crushes him. And then he raises from the dead three days later. And in that he defeats death and destruction and sin. And he goes about redeeming you and I. He made us right. And then he calls you into the newness of that life, into the freedom of that life. And he doesn't offer you that freedom he didn't get you out of that prison cell so you can go back and just indulge in yourself. He didn't deliver you from that. 
to that. We're the reason, guys, that the law had to be in place. We're the reason that it had to be revealed. We're the reason that the cosmos are in disorder. We're the ones who disobeyed. We're the ones that caused this mess. And so Christ did not rescue you so you can indulge yourself. That's why we're in in this mess in the first place. But rather, Christ rescued you because he wants to fix your heart. He wants to put in you a new spirit, a new way, a new heart that is made of flesh, not of stone. He came to deal with that. Christ called you to freedom to give you the ability to serve something other than yourself. Because you, on your own, could not do that yourself. You would never pick to serve something other than your flesh, other than your sinful desires. You don't have that capacity. You are a slave to sin without excuse and without the ability to choose something different. And so listen, Christian freedom is not, does not create a void in obligation. Sometimes we think that Christian freedom just means that we're not obliged to do anything. But rather, Christian freedom brings us in, brings into the into being the ability to tether ourselves to a new master. And maybe we don't like that imagery of master because it it kind of infers slave. We have a lot of history with masters and slaves in this country. But listen, this is our reality. Your reality speaks to the fact that you serve a master. It is certainly true of all of us. Uh, Bob Dylan, one of his most profound songs is like, you gotta have, you're going to have to serve somebody. Maybe you've heard that song. That's just true of our lives. You are going to serve something, whether that is someone or something, whether it's a person, a thing, a status, yourself or God, you are always going to be serving something. You will always have a master that you are a slave to. And what Christ has given us the ability to do through the Spirit is to no longer obey ourselves, no longer to be slaves to our own sin, but rather, rather that we would have the ability to serve each other through love. Why? Well, if we read the scripture, is there anybody else in the world that served others through love better than Christ? Absolutely not. He has served us so thoroughly and so well. There is nobody else that has done And he has called us to do the same thing. In, in the Matthew, in the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus says this, but Jesus called them over and said, you know that those who rule the Gentiles show off their authority over them and their high-ranking officials order them around. But that's not the way it will be for you. That's not the way it is for us. We don't show off our authority, our greatness. Whoever wants to be great among you will be your servant. Whoever wants to be first among you will be your slave. Just as the Son of Man didn't come to be served, but rather to serve and to give his life to liberate many people. Jesus is speaking around this idea of who is greater in the kingdom of God. And his answer is those who are slaves to serving others through love, much like he did. That is what it means to be great in the kingdom. And so as a believer, Christ has granted us, through the Spirit, the ability to serve others through love. 
because he showed us in his life what it looked like to serve others through love. And that fulfills the requirement of the law, that if we would serve each other through love, that would fulfill the requirement of the love, the law. And what is implied in that, but not mentioned by Paul, because he's writing to Christians, he's writing to people in the church, is that our love for others would be predicated on our love for God first. We don't serve others to please God. We serve others through love because we are already pleased by God. That is two different things. And when he says serve others through love, to love your neighbor as yourself, it's not, it does not mean that you serve and love your neighbor as yourself like in your flesh. Like I want to give my neighbor what I want. I like baklava, so I'm going to make baklava for my neighbor. Well, that would be nice. What it means is that you would serve and love your neighbor through your transformed self. That you would love your neighbor as yourself, understanding the way that God has loved you, the way that God sees you, that you would see them the way that God sees you, that you would treat them the way that God has treated you. That is what it means to love your neighbor as yourself. You are a new creation in Christ. The old has to die and the new must be put on. You are to love your neighbor as yourself. That is the requirement of the law. That is what we are to do. And when we, we don't do that, we don't serve others through love, what Paul says happens is that we begin to act like animals. We just begin to bite and devour each other. And he says, be careful that you yourself don't get eaten up. And so when we look into your current affairs, when we look into our current state of this world, of this country, does it feel like there are more people biting and devouring each other? Or are there a lot of people who are slave to serving others through love? Pretty easy, right, to answer that. Which is remarkable, considering that the vast majority of people in this country claim to be Christians. But I, what I think God is more concerned about is this church. Are we biting and devouring each other here? Are, are we living a life by the Spirit in loving each other, serving each other through the Spirit. I think that's what he's concerned of. Because freedom is about you serving others through Christ, through love, not about serving yourself. And the action of your service is always determined by what you feed, by what you lean into, what you lean into. The results, whether you bite each other up or you love each other um, through service, serve each other through love, is, is based upon what you feed in your desires. And so Paul's going to write about there are two internal desires in the believer, that there is the spirit and there is the flesh, and your life will look different based upon what you serve. And so this is what he says in Galatians, the rest of Galatians 5. He says, I say, be guided by the spirit, and you won't carry out your selfish desires a person's selfish desires are set against the spirit, and the spirit is set against one selfish desire. They are opposed to each other, so you shouldn't do whatever you would want to do, but if you're being led by the spirit, you aren't under the law. The actions that are produced by selfish motivations are obvious, since they include sexual immorality, moral corruption, doing whatever feels good, idolatry, drug use, casting spells, hate, 
fighting, obsession, losing your temper, competitive opposition, conflict, selfishness, group rivalry, jealousy, drunkenness, partying, and other things like that. It's an exhausting list. I warn you, as I've already warned you, Paul's already warned these guys, that those who do these kind of things won't inherit the kingdom of God's kingdom. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against things like this. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have been crucified, have crucified the self with its passion and its desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit. Let's not become arrogant and make each other angry or be jealous of each other. Two different masters here. The flesh and the Spirit. Two different lists that create two different lifestyles. Which one sounds more appealing? I think the choice is obvious, the latter list. And so when we say the Spirit, the Spirit is the Holy Spirit. And Holy Spirit kind of indwells those who believe by faith, who have trusted in Christ and His grace. And for those of us who know Christ, the Word says that there are two competing desires within you. The spirit and the flesh are opposed to each other. Meaning this, if you did not have the flesh, you would have no desire to walk in sinful ways. That is what eternal life will be like. You will be spirit with a new body. If you didn't have the spirit, all you would want to do is indulge the flesh in sin. And so, believer, what makes things complicated is that we just got... Maybe you feel that battle. And if you feel that battle, that's a great thing. The Lord is working in your life. Like, he wants you to lean into the Spirit, but you've got these things opposing to each other. Now, many people could ask this question. If, if God is light, if God is the light of the world, and in John it says that the light has shined into the darkness, and yet the darkness cannot overcome it, how is it possible that dark and light could be in the same vessel? Well, what I want to continue with you guys today is this is not a battle of spirits. This is a battle of wills. This is about God battling against your natural inclination to sin, your sinful will. When your, listen, your flesh is not a demonic presence, right? your dis- desire to lean into sin is your natural condition because of the fall of man. It's your natural self. And when the Spirit comes in your life, the Spirit and God's will are always interchangeably linked. The Spirit will come into your life and then begin to drive home its will, its purposes, and its, its desires into your life in a way that it's fighting against the old, selfish, sinful self. This is a battle of wills. This is not a battle of spirits. God has desired to change you from the inside out. It's going to change you from the inside out. And so this is conflicting wills, and because of that, Paul says, be led by the Spirit. He says, I say, be guided by the Spirit, which means this. He's imploring you that you have a choice here. I say, be guided by the Spirit. Lean into that. You're going to lean into something. Lean into that because, listen, it will determine your life. So understand this. You can only feed one competing internal desire. You can only feed one competing internal desire, which means that you will indirectly be choosing to starve the other. Which one are you feeding? Which one are you feeding, the flesh or the spirit? 
there's a boy and a grandpa. This is a good story. I, I like to illustrate this. There's a boy and a grandpa, and they're sitting together just hanging out. And the boy says to his grandfather, he says, Grandpa, I never see you get upset. Do you ever feel angry? And, and the grandpa looks at his, his grandchild, and, and he says, Sometimes I feel that there are two wolves inside of me. Each one of them wants to fight to tell me what to do. Whenever something angers me, one of those wolves is full of fire and wants to attack and act nasty. The other wolf has a calmer disposition. It thinks about things clearly and it makes better choice. But they're both always there. To which the boy asks, so grandpa, how do you know which wolf is going to win? And the grandpa says that the wolf that wins is the one that I choose to feed. And I would say that this is that as you feed the right desire or the wrong desire, as you nourish it, it only gets stronger. And the opposite gets weaker. And so the Lord says to feed the spirit. It has given you the ability to tether yourself to a new master. And the way of that new master is flourishing. It is life at its best. He is creating all sorts of new desires within you. Lean into them. Those desires are the fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. There are no restrictions, the Word said, against doing those things. You can do them as much as you want. Being led by the Spirit empowers those realities in your life. God's will, God's Spirit is going to drive those realities towards your heart, towards your mind, to renew you. That's what it does. Do you realize that the most basic human fundamental need in the world, without exception, is the need to be loved? Every one of you has that need from the beginning of time. Without exception, you wear an invisible sign that says, make me feel loved. And what the Spirit wants to do every day of your life is to push into you the understanding that He loves you so thoroughly, so completely, so abundantly. There is nothing else that you need that God has so fully loved us that He has taken away that need. He fills that basic need. And when you understand that, it frees you to practice love to everyone always because what could they give you that you don't already have? He wants to push that into you every single day of your life. You get to choose joy because the Lord says, I got it. Just walk. Trust me. You get to be in peace because the Lord has said, you are made right by me. You are right with God. Whom else are you going to fear? You got a God that says you're good. You have not to fear anybody else. He says you can lean into patience. Why? Because the Lord says, it's my plan, and I'm going to do it the way that I'm going to do it. Just relax. I'm going to make this thing work out. He says, you get to lean into kindness. Why? Because God's kindness to us was not without effect. You get to be gentle because God says that the, the kingdom of God is for those who are gentle and meek in spirit. You get to be good. You get to choose goodness because we serve a good shepherd. You get to be faithful because our God said he would never leave us nor forsake us. You get to choose self-control because the Lord says, when I came to you, I bid that you die to yourself and choose me. We get to lean in the spirit. We don't have to, guys. 
we get to, and that is a choice we get to do every single day of our life, to feed the Spirit without exception. But we just get to this place where we have just, we stifle that. We just starve the Spirit. Because I have no doubt that you and I who walk in this room cannot think in our head of this bubbling up in our hearts, this desire to want to love people. I feel this all the time with my wife. Like, I want to love my wife, but I just, I just do my own thing. I have this desire to tell her she's beautiful, uh, to, to love her well, but I just starve that stuff. Do you know the Lord says that there is no law against these things? Which means you can pick them as much as you want, as often as you want, however much as you want. All the time. And he says that it will go well for you. That it's going to be good for you. Not in the way that we're all going to drive Lexuses, but in a way that we're going to spiritually be rich and full. You get to do that. Can you imagine if that was in the realm of diet? That you get to pick all the things that are, that you, are the best things for you, all the good stuff, all the fulfilling things? We'd be millionaires. Put that book out there. Ice cream, chocolate, donuts and brats all the time. All you wanted. Everything that was fulfilling in your life. As much as you want. And listen, it will be great for you. Not only great, it will be the best life ever. And that is what the Lord is saying to us about leaning into the Spirit. You can live there all the time. And you can choose to love without embarrassment. Don't restrict it. Lean into that spirit. Love people. Show joy. Listen to what I'm trying to do in you. You can do it all the time. And so the spirit is pushing all of this into you. Look, the the Lord is going to move in your life. He is going to make you look like him. And he's he's just going to do it. There's no way around it. Lean into it. And so as a believer, we have these things bubbling up into us. We can feel them. Lean into them. Don't deny them. Don't restrict them. Paul says, live by the Spirit. He says, live by the Spirit and follow it. Follow it. Don't starve it. Follow it. Christ called you into freedom so you could not just satisfy your own desires, but that you would satisfy God's desires. Because my desires are stupid. Like my desire is what's good in the refrigerator right now and the Chicago Cubs. God's desires are like, I want to bring the whole world back to myself. I want to bring peace to this person. Which desires are better, mine or God's? God's are. And so we choose God's desires over our desires. And so Paul reminds us in the book of Romans, he says this, as you do all this, you know what time it is. The hour has already come for you to wake up from your sleep. Now our salvation is nearer than we first had faith. That's true, guys. I'm not going to prophesy. I don't know when the end of the day the, the world is, but it is nearer. The night is almost over. The day is near. So let's get rid of the actions that belong to the darkness and put on the weapons of light. Let us behave appropriately as people who live in the day, not in partying and getting drunk, not in sleeping around and obscene behavior, not in fighting and obsession. Instead, I love this, dress yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ and don't plan to indulge your selfish desires. I love this thought of putting on Christ. 
Paul, in a couple of his other epistles, his letters, in Colossians, he says, above all else, wear love. It is your most basic all-purpose garment. In the book of Ephesians, it says, put on the armor of God. Paul uses his imagery of dressing because he wants you to understand that you have a choice. Just like every day you walk into your closet and choose what you're going to wear, you have a choice on what you're going to put on that day. And what he's imploring us to do is to feed the Spirit, to wear the Spirit, to lean into that and to not into the desires of ourselves. Pick Christ. Wear him. Put all of that in your frontal cortex, friends. Write Galatians 5 on your mirror. Write this somewhere that you remember to feed the Spirit. Give it nourishment. And here's the thing. As you do that, it grows stronger. As you lean into that, it grows stronger. That is what freedom is for us. And Jesus is going to speak. We'll end with this way. Jesus is going to speak about freedom in John 8. In John 8, Jesus says, So if the Son set you free, you are free indeed. I know that you are the offspring of Abraham. He's talking to Pharisees at this time. They're challenging him. He says, yet you seek to kill me because my word finds no place in you. And friends, I would just say, let God's word find a home in your heart today. He has asked us to not lean and gratify the desires of the flesh. He says, lean into the desires that I'm building in you, not by your own. I'm going to do it for you. Feed them. Lean into them. You are free not to serve sin. You are free not to serve the flesh. You're dead to it, he says. Your freedom means that you get to serve God through the Spirit. You get to serve others through love. And there is no restrictions on that. Hitch your wagons to that because of your love for God. And he says, walk by the Spirit. Walking doesn't mean like, that was good. That was a good stroll, that one step. Walking implies continuous action. That every day, you choose to lean into the right wolf. To feed the right wolf. It's like every day you pick out your clothes. Every day, you choose to feed the right wolf. Do you know... The word says that you are sons and daughters of the Most High God. You are sons and daughters of a king. You're royalty. <laughs> you know, we have some royal weddings in here probably. He made you royalty. And I guarantee he is going to make you act worthy of that call. He's just going to do it. You have the propensity to lean into it or to stray away from it. But his desires are always going to be there. We are to act like we, who we are. We are children of God. God is so good. He's so good. And he just wants to see us to walk in freedom. And that freedom is all about him. And it's not about us. He opens the door. You can't. And so we praise him for that. And we live for him because of it. Awesome.
Let's pray. Father, we just come before you, and uh, we just thank you. You're, God, you're glorious. You're good. Uh, Lord, you have just revealed in my heart this week just this, this feeding of the Spirit, Lord, that, that I actively would, would choose to engage with the desires in my heart, that I wouldn't stifle them, that there's no limits on how much I can love somebody, no limits on how much joy that I can have, that I would actively be choosing to feed the Spirit, Lord. And I pray, Lord, that would be our realities in this church, Lord, that you would give us the boldness, the perspective, Lord, the reminder to every day to put on you, to lean into those beautiful gifts that you give us and build within us. Love and joy and peace and kindness and goodness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control, Lord, that we would just lean into those things because we get to. We get to because of you. You open the door for us, Lord. And so help us to walk into that freedom. We love you, Lord, and we praise you for what you're doing in our hearts and in this church. And we ask this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.